Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM Australia, coming all to, all, all the way from Ethiopia. And if you're tuning in this morning and wondering why on earth is Faith FM Australia broadcasting out of Ethiopia, that's because the whole Faith FM breakfast show team is right here in Ethiopia. Yeah, we're just hanging out over here, you know, having a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mon's not having such and a good she time. She's not having a good time. <laughs> she's not having a good time she's at all. She's laying in her bed about, you know, a metre and a half from this, us just dying. Just so, uh, yeah. So pray for Mon. Pray that she gets better. <laughs> pray that uh, yeah, her sore, sore throat can can come through. Pray, pray that her uh, her voice comes back mm, fully. Because of course Maybe. we are preaching over here and yes. sharing God's word. And so it is pray a that uh, disadvantage not to have a voice when you're preaching. Yes, hundred percent. But Lyle, you said you had an amazing. Okay, so here's some positive, positively different go. news for this morning. And uh, of course, this is positively different radio breakfast show yes. in the morning. Yes. We need to, uh, I, I think I forgot to say that, I was so excited in the last section, but anyway, that's okay. Okay, so here's what happened last night. Right. I've gone to my, okay. uh, we, we've got a new venue, Ooh, new which venue. is outside in okay. the middle of, a, it's kind of like a, a town square uh-huh. kind of thing, which is a triangle. Yes. All right, so it's a triangle. The square triangle. Yeah, the square right. triangle. It's uh, it's made of dirt, mm-hmm. and they've uh, like set all up... good things. D- yeah, and, and, and like everywhere that we are, they've they've set up sticks and tarps and chairs, and away we go preaching, and they put all the speakers on the outside so that they're just blasting out into the community. Yeah. And I had the most awesome translator ever, and he is just, just firing it out there, just preaching it out there. And about halfway through the presentation, this this one random guy just comes in and sits down. And uh, it's like, okay, yep, that's good because you know random guys were coming in and sitting down all the time, and he's just sitting there and he's just locked in on what I'm what I'm yep. talking about. I'm, yep. I'm sharing the yep. gospel, um, the, the the gospel message, the crucifixion of Jesus, and what Jesus has done for us. And uh, he's just he's just not taking his eyes off me, and, and it was like, you know, okay, this guy's this guy's really uh, he's really locked in. Made an appeal, uh, a bunch of people stood up for the appeal and came forward, and uh, he was the third person to stand up and come forward. Uh-huh. Yes. And so he stands up and comes forward. And then, and then <clears throat> those that responded to the appeal that wanted to give their lives to Jesus Christ, I've invited them. I've said, look, while well, you know, the, uh, the church leaders here, we're going to let them finish off the program. They usually have a few things they want to say at the end. But we're just going to step aside here and we're going to have prayer together. And if there's anybody else in the audience who's still feeling, you know, under conviction and, uh, and wants to make that decision to follow Jesus, then, you know, hey, feel free. Just come and join us over here. We're going to have a special prayer together. And so a small group of us have gone over there and we start to have prayer. And within no time, there was a, just a whole crowd of people that have, uh, that have, you know, come forward for the appeal mm-hmm. and joined us in that prayer group. And then I begin to talk to this particular guy because he engages my interpreter. Yeah, and he's talking through the interpreter, and they're and, and they're chatting away. And as it turns out, what had happened was that five days ago, he saw me in a dream. No, and he's just randomly walking down the street, <sighs> and he hears this preaching, and sort of you know, you look across as you do. He looks into the enclosure, and he sees me preaching there, and he's like, "No way." And uh, you for real life. But in his dream, in his dream, he didn't see me preaching. He saw me studying the Bible in his home. What? 
And so at 10.30 today, I'm going to be studying the Bible in Am- his home. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. I've never had anything like that happen this before. So I've good. never, ever had anything like that happen before in public evangelism. It was very, very exciting. That is just gnarly. Experience like that is like, okay, this has nothing to do with me. Mm. You know, this is this is just God. This man. is God has gone ahead. He he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the future, and he's gone. You know what? I'm going to reveal to this guy exactly what's going to happen. Mm. Oh, that's yeah, powerful. praise God, that praise God. That was it was pretty powerful. pretty amazing experience. Well, man, God really worked in my location last night. Um, so you know, of course, this is my fourth night preaching but this is only the second time in my location and um, I started right at the very start of my series of of presentations Um, and then um, okay so tonight was the second night tonight was the yeah, the second night of speaking and um, on my way there, of course, I'm riding the motorbike and my translator's on the back of the motorbike and he's like, okay, Lawson, we want you tonight to make an appeal for people to get baptized. No, praise God. And I'm like, uh, okay, it's a little bit early. Like, this is only Not in this second country. night preaching. But Not in this country. He's like, no, you do it. And I'm like, ah, oh. yeah, I'm preaching about the signs of the second coming, which is like all like the world is really, really, really bad. And then Jesus is coming, which is, which is a good thing. But it's more like, you know, the the next night where you talk about what the second coming is like, then it's like, okay, this is appeal time, you know, this is but they're like, no, you make one tonight. <laughs> I'm like Praise God. All right, I'll do it. So yep. we get there, I'm preaching, um, you know, preaching away and, and it again it is a little bit difficult in Africa being translated. My translator is is okay. There was a few times where I had to clarify what I needed to say to him and uh, got through my presentation, especially, yeah, you know, looking at the signs of the times and the world is just bad and bad, like, and you're looking at persecution of Christianity and everything like this. Um, but I got to the end and the, and the spirit was was moving and I shared a really powerful story um, with these guys about um, one guy was filled with the Holy Spirit and it led him, you know, not getting killed by a bunch of soldiers and actually studying the Bible with them and... And yeah, then, you know, the, the translator, as I'm, he's like, okay, now you make the appeal. <laughs> okay, all right, <laughs> all right, it. here we go. So everyone had raised their hand because they wanted to be rec- ready for Jesus' second coming. And then in what, to me, felt like the clunkiest appeal ever, but I was like... Is this the thing you learn about appeals, Lawson? They don't need to be fancy. They can be as clunky as I, it's the Holy <laughs> Spirit who does the work. So long as you make yourself available and ask the question, that's all it's, all it's about. So I, I made my initial appeal. I was like, if anyone wants, you know... I talk about it. I actually talked about it. I'm like, there's an Ethiopian man in the Bible. He gave his heart to Jesus and was baptized. If there is someone here today who wants to, you know, be baptized, I want you to come to the front. And no one comes. And I'm like, oh, man. And then the spirit just, like, you know, you get that, those feelings of nerves and those feelings of angst of, like, oh, no one's coming. But then the spirit just started really, you know, talking to me and saying, no, just go hard. People are going to come. These are God's children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They need to be baptized. Amen. They need Amen. to hear this message. Um, and so I just start going hard. I'm like, I was baptized and it was the best decision ever made. You know, this is the most important thing you will ever do. God is calling you tonight. And um, one person walks up and I'm like, amen, brother. Praise the Lord. And then another person walks up. Yep. And then somebody somebody broke the bystander effect and, and then, then another person coming. walks up. And then soon there's, you know... Uh, I think five, six people up the front. And I'm like, I'm like, praise the Lord. This is awesome. And I'm like, you know what? 
I believe there are still people here who want to be baptized. So I'm going to ask one more time, one more time if there's anyone else. And another three people walk up the front. And I'm just like, this is so good. And by the end, yeah, there was eight, nine people up the front who said they wanted to, to be baptized and join the Adventist church, all of which were, were non-Adventists, either, you know, non-Christian or or Pentecostal or something like this. And I was just... I was it doesn't matter where people come from, so long as they give their lives to Jesus oh, man, and, uh, was, and get baptized. It was so good. I was just, I was just praising God in my heart. I was just, you know, amen. It was so good. Um, and yeah, it was just the best thing ever. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> I should, I should mention with the guy that had the dream, he's a uh, uh, an Ethiopian Orthodox, and they're oh, wow, a particularly yeah. hard, hard group of people to reach here. Mm, definitely um, with uh, with the gospel message because it's been sort of clouded over by a lot of traditions over the years, mm-hmm. and uh, wonderful people. Some of the most, the most devout people that you will ever come across, mm. but it's great to see them experiencing an aspect of the gospel that um, they've probably never experienced before. Yeah, that's that's powerful. It's amazing well, stories, Lawson. Amazing stories. Also, real quick. So at the start of my presentation, I showed them a bunch of photos of you know my family and 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 me singing and playing guitar at church and there's things like that. I brought up a, a picture of my little sister. I'm like, this is my little sister. She's 18 years old and she has no husband. So whoever brings me the most cows can have her. You know what was funny? At the end, there was a bunch of boys, like a bunch of, you know, teenage 20-year-old boys hanging around at the front of the church, but I don't think they had the words to communicate that they wanted to, <laughs> they wanted to buy my sister for marriage. So I can't wait to hear your sister's response when she when she finds out you've been trying to sell her for cows in Ethiopia. They don't do that here, though. They do that for yeah. the South. Yeah, they do that for the South, but still, it was funny. I've asked, it was really I've asked funny. what the marriage traditions are here, and I have not yet got a clear answer, but my, my interpreter for last night um, he's engaged uh-huh. and so I, um, I'm going to ask him and find out exactly what the marriage traditions are okay. for this part of Ethiopia okay. so you've got to go further south to, um, to have cows but. well just real quick after I preached last night me and the elders of the church went to a restaurant and one of them offered me his daughter and said he would give me cows if I married her so. <laughs> there you go alright guys we'll be right back after this
Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Faith FM, and we're coming all the way from Ethiopia, where uh, the news sort of comes through in dribs and drabs mm-hmm. as the Wi-Fi comes through. So yes. it might be a little bit out of date. So you've already heard the story. We do apologise, but we have another a number of up-to-date stories we'd like to tell you about. And of course, we love to share our experiences here, preaching the Word of God in Ethiopia. But we also like to talk about things that are happening around the world. And so this morning, our first story comes from the Philippines. Oh, the Philippines. Yes. And this is from the staff at the Jollibee Burger and Fried oh, Chicken yeah, Outlet. I've, you read I've this been one? There. I've been to Jollibee. I've been to Philippines and I actually met the mayor of Manila. In Philippines, so in, th- in the Philippines, so yeah, I'm, mate, I know all about the Philippines, and I know all about Jollibee's as well. It's like a ripoff of KFC. So is that what it is? Okay, so this is like a big thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, like, like, it's, like, it's like a chain restaurant over there. Okay. It's like a Macca's. So this one is in uh, Imas. Okay, Imas. Um, in the Cavite province. I apologise to all the Filipinos who are listening this morning if I get all of the <laughs> pronunciations uncor- incorrect. But anyway, they have a new menu item. Oh, what is it? Which has produced a new customer base. Or maybe the new customer base produced a new menu item. I'm not sure what it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, breast milk. Breast milk? Yes. Oh, like from human breast. Human breast milk. Okay, so before... No, 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 no. Don't be looking like that. Don't be looking like that. Let me share with you the story. They've all all turned up for work one morning and there on uh, on the doorstep of their restaurant is a newborn baby, so newborn in a cardboard box... That um, it's still you know got all the goo and the blood and oh. so forth. So like it, it's almost as if the, uh, the, the the parents have had this child. They've gone. This restaurant is about to open, and they've left the newborn there. Wow! And so yeah, they brought the little baby inside and uh, um, ran one of the sinks. You know, as you as you do in a commercial kitchen. Yeah. Gave him a bath. Apparently, he absolutely loved his bath. And uh, then somebody ran down the street, bought some some nappies and and uh, a little singlet and some clothes and, and a blanket. Yeah, um, <clears throat> gave him a clean nappy. Uh, one of the one of the one of the staff there was a nursing mother, so she popped him on the boob, gave him oh. her uh, gave him his uh, his first <laughs> meal, and before that even opened, they had served their first customer. Oh well, they, okay. There you go. All right. I thought they were commercialized, <laughs> and they had like some, could, some could, factory of pregnant. Well, not you know, just given birth women. You know, <laughs> I could see Lawson's stomach starting starting to turn like, there for a moment. But you, um, yes, man. <laughs> yeah, really sweet story. Really no, sweet awesome. story. That's and of course, so um, you know, he's uh, been taken into government care. They're looking for his parents now. But um, yeah, they were really glad to be able to help the little fella out, and they were so glad that there was somebody there that could actually. Uh, was in a position to give him a feed. Yeah. And uh, was definitely their favourite customer of the day. Mm. So we need to pray for him and also so many other children that are born in similar yeah. desperate circumstances and are uh, passed over into into care and hopefully he'll find a uh, a great home where he can grow up, yeah. become a, a, a wonderful servant of God. Yeah, I went to the uh, I went to the Philippines, as I mentioned. I met the mayor of Manila. I actually You did say that. Jolly, I'm like, okay, all right. The and, mayor um, of Manila. What? on earth is all that about so basically I was over there to, to ride motorbikes um, I was I was they, they invited me at the time I was living in Spain but then they invited me to come over and race scooters because they race scooters over there so I'm over there racing mopeds and I like set the lap record and like won this championship or something but anyways um <laughs> 
it was just so interesting because when I was I wasn't a Christian when I was there but then all these guys you know of course um, not a lot of them are you know Seventh Day Adventists or anything but these guys they're just these, these motorbike guys they're just like devout Christians like we went to Jollibee's and like they're like oh yeah well can we say prayer for the food like I'm like a motorbike rider I'm like the most secular as guy like you know no knowledge of God no care for God and they're like yeah we just little did you know Lawson that God was calling to your heart <laughs> yeah, I know way back then and I was like I was actually so intrigued and interested because I was like wow the, you know I think the culture of motorbike racing in the west is like gnarly dudes and, and partying and, and, and sex and all this stuff but pretty hard living pretty hard living whereas these guys are just like just you know Christians and just love God and motorbike racing is just one of their hobbies and, and but also you know occupations and passions but but they take it pretty seriously but, from what I hear oh they take it super seriously but at the same time it's not they're not living the normal party life of extreme sports you know they're just giving it to Jesus and, and living it their best life and I think honestly like I look back on that and that was something that really affected me that oh you know there are good people in the world in, in, in all places, you know. Especially, yeah, just coming from Europe and coming from a circumstance and a situation where yeah, that's the everyone's kind of, That's the kind of motorbike riding I think we should have in heaven. Yeah. Although I'm not quite sure what kind of technology we will have in heaven. <laughs> but tech, technology is invented by God and technology will exist in heaven. Uh, amen. As I'm long just, as, you know, there's no uh, carbon emissions from... I reckon we'll just be riding them that run... You know, riding motorbikes that run on the spirit of God or something. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? We will see. Do you have um, any more news for us, Lyle? I've got lots of stories here. The Western Australian Legislative Council is to, about to vote on, um, against the uh, Human Reproductive Technology and Surrogacy Amendment Bill, Ooh. which, if passed, would allow men to apply for uh, surrogacy. So, in other words, if you uh, are a single man yeah. and you want to have a child, uh-huh. then you can hire a woman's womb and buy a child through that woman's womb. Wow, okay. So they are commercializing uh, basically uh, women. So women can Man, be. This is nuts. <laughs> at the same time as this, there's like all these laws being passed on abortion so that like women aren't having babies. And then they're like commercializing women for babies. Okay, so basically what it does is it gives people the right to intentionally underprivileged children. Because a child of a single parent is an underprivileged child. Uh-huh. We know that. Yes. All research across the board is going to tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, a child that is not raised by, you know, a child, the ideal, and of course, you know, we always aim for the ideal, and, and government should be upholding the ideal um, to create good society, is that a child is raised by its biological parents. Yes. And so what they are doing is giving people the right to intentionally underprivileged children. And you compare this story with, you know, how people respond in the Philippines and this kind of thing to, uh, you know, to this, to this, to this little baby. And it just yeah. makes, it just shakes you, it makes you shake your head. It's like, what on earth is going on here? Mm. Um, and at the same time, it gives people the right to create children for commercial purposes. Yeah. So for the woman who is hiring out her womb, the only only reason that she is creating a child is is for commercial purposes, and, yeah. and then and wow. to then sell that child to the person who has hired her womb. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I mean, dude, it, it makes my it's like what on earth kind of a what on earth kind of a world do we live in where these kinds of things are even considered? I think it's I think it's so interesting. You know the the. 
the push philosophically to to move as a society away from functionality and just to the wants and the whims of 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 everyone it's like we're seeing the 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 product of that now and it is you know underprivileged children it's, it's broken families it's you know a society where we're no longer um you know lifting each other up but but it's like we're only supporting each other to stay down you know we're no longer encouraging each other to be better it's like okay you've got problems whatever it may be okay well you can just stay there and where are all the feminists who are going to stand up and fight against this you know, I mean, this is total exploitation of women. Yeah. You know, you find a woman who might be struggling to get employment or something or other. It's like, well, she has a womb, so we'll we'll hire that. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm, I'm, I am dead serious. And, 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 like, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm desperate enough. Yeah, I'll hire out my womb. It's nearly like a form of prostitution in a way. Like that's pretty gnarly statement, but in in the set in this, it's on the both, same vein. Both both scenarios are exploitation. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, the thing is, is that you know, I think especially as Christians, we advocate so much for. I, I can for the see natural. Mon over here that she would love to be saying something right now, but she has no voice. So yeah. we're going to leave her in peace. But I think her blood is <laughs> boiling as we share this story. It's I, just like I just let heard me a moan it. from Mon. Yeah. <laughs> She's like. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, this this is gnarly. I mean, this is trading in human life and treating children as an accessory. Yeah. You know, that's that's the simple reality. It's either, you know, you get a child naturally and you don't want it and you throw it in a bin or, you know, you get a child like unnaturally for an accessory. This is, this is just hectic. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm just yeah. You're not getting shocked. a child because you want to give that child a good future. You're giving you're getting a child because you're giving that child an underprivileged future, and you are intentionally doing so. You know, and and think about how that child is going to go going to grow up. You know, children who are in foster care and children who are adopted, you know, often struggle with all kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. Imagine the kind of issues that this child is going to struggle with. Like, yeah, I was just hired out. I was just you know anyway. Enough said. We are out of time. I've had my rant for the morning. It's been a while since I've had a good rant, so there it is, and we'll be back uh, right after this.
Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia and joining me in the studio this morning is Darren Pratt, a regular here on Faith FM. Darren, welcome to the show again. It's always great to be in Faith FM studio. Fantastic. Now, last time you were here we talked about the... Uh the, the, the benefit of failure with children. Oh, yes, that's right. I talked about the book by um, LaHaye about the gift of failure. The and, gift of and failure, that's parents right. allowing our kids to fail so that their happiness and success long term is, is, is almost guaranteed. Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about a very different form of, uh, a very different issue in relationship to children and children's health and children's well-being, and that relates to domestic abuse. Now, usually when we talk about this subject, we're thinking about children that are being beaten up or are watching uh, their mother or their father being beaten up. They're seeing domestic violence in the home. But you've been looking at some research that deals with a different period in the child's life where they're not actually seeing this take place. Uh, what, what, what is this research and where is it coming? What is it to you? Yes, just coming out of the US, research just released last week. Um, a story there about domestic violence and its effects not just on children, but on, on children 
yeah. unborn children in the uterus. So, so that's very interesting study because we now. Okay, now so does that mean that you know we're talking about um, you know women who are being bashed and the you know they're being hit in the stomach and this kind of thing? The child is actually being beaten and bruised within the stomach, or is there a different kind of um, abuse that is taking yeah, place? Yeah, well, that's probably part of it, and that can happen, and and yeah, it shouldn't happen, but that that can happen, and, and damage can be caused that way. Um, we had the case last week of a, a teacher being being kicked um, by a student in the um, in the playground, and that didn't go down well for this pregnant um, teacher. Mm. Um, pretty horrific. Um, what was going on there? Um, but yeah, this study says um, no. It starts by saying witnessing abuse carries the same risk of harm to his children's mental health and learning as if the child had been abused directly. New research shows. So that's where it starts out. Yeah, that's that's true. When the kids see um, abuse occurring, especially when it's those that love and intimate to them, it causes untold damage. We already know that. Yeah. But what this new research is saying is that um, if domestic violence occurs where the woman is being beaten while she's pregnant, um, that physiological inflammation can occur. Right. So this is this is even with children who may, you know, parents may break up before the child is born, and so the child may never witness. That's right. Domestic abuse. Not not outside the womb. Outside the womb. And it may never experience that outside the womb, but there are still physiological changes that are taking place in that child. How long do these changes last for? I mean, is this something that uh, you know, lasts for uh, you know, five, six months or something or other and then disappears? Or does it last longer than that? Well, what it's saying is that it can be lifelong. And that, that is, that is the, the horror of this, is that um, it, can, it can place changes in the baby's stress, um, stress release system, um, causing inflammation to the baby as well as the mother, so that when the baby is born um, it's already pre-programmed in that they're going to experience or more prone to experience depression and and other health issues later on in life. And that, that is a scary thing about it. Yeah, that is that is quite concerning. Um, and you know, when you talk about uh, lifelong effects of something that happens you know to the unborn child uh, this is something that we really need to be looking at you know even from even possibly from a legislative perspective because uh, you know even even if you um, here in Australia of course if you uh, uh, attack a, a pregnant woman and the, and the baby dies then you're up for you know murder if, if both of them die if you're up for you know double homicide that was, that's right that's right and this is what the, what the article is saying says if a mother is beaten while pregnant, the chance the baby will be injured, as we said, um, just from being hit um, yeah. in the womb. But it says also delivered prematurely. There's and there is a stack of other things that can happen, including it says here physiological programming of the hyperactive stress system that leads to inflammation as an adult in all sorts of ways. That comes out. She said it's like when a soldier says comes back from combat, he is a click and hits the ground. Research estimates that between 4.5 million US and 15 million children are exposed to physical violence in the home, verbal and emotional abuse, very young in life, and that has the same effect um, on the child as well. Okay, so this is PTSD we're talking about then, effectively. Yes. Yeah. And a child can get PTSD even when it hasn't seen it. Before it's even born. Before it's even born. That's what the study's saying is um, it's, it's already programmed to pick up on those cues um, 
of what's going on, but also the body reacts without the person realising it. So they're going through life saying, why is my body doing this? Um, and the reason could go back to very young um, experiences in life or even back into the womb. That is... That's so remarkable because you know, when, when a human baby is born, we look at that human baby as being helpless and knowing nothing, not realizing just how much has been programmed into that child by us as parents before the child was born. You know, we talk about playing music to our unborn oh, children. I, I, sang to my, I sang to my children in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't well, want to have. Well, a, I, I, didn't, read I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't, that, I didn't want to have a negative effect on my unborn <laughs> children. <laughs> you have singing in the shower. <laughs> no, I'm not a shower singer. But I did talk to my unborn children. I prayed with them. I had worship with my unborn children. Yeah. And uh, they, they talk about you know the positive effects that this kind of thing can have. And I guess what you've got here is the uh, is the flip side of it is the negative effects are the same as well. And we underestimate just how much information is going in. I mean, I think what is it that. that um, a child learns like what ninety five percent of everything that it will ever learn within the first two years or something yeah, or other. Yeah, that's right. The, the brain in the first five years of life, the brain just goes under so much change, and programs are laid down that are going to guide them through life in those first five years. Hmm. Um, and if we if we get things right there, it's going to be better off for the child. Now, with brain plasticity research these days, things can change, and there's hope for these children as well. Sure, with, with all the brain plasticity. Research research as well. Yeah, um, the brain rewires itself, basically. Yeah, but it, it's going to, it's, it's, it's a child begins, it's like um, they're starting way behind the start line before they're even born in, in what should be a normal, happy um, development through life. Um, so I guess the, the outcome is for us as parents, but also us as um, people in communities to, to be aware of this and to realise that domestic violence, whether it's um, physical, psychological, Psychological, sexual, whatever's going on, um, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. Not just for the person being abused, but also for those that are watching, witnessing, or those that are in the womb as well. And it's not normal. Not normal. And this you is one of the things that put up with yeah. And this is one of the things that I've learned from you know a very good friend of mine who spent many years in the police force is that you know most of the time when he's attending you know domestic kind of situations is that the people who are in those you know domestic violence is a generational thing. It's a generational issue. They've grown up with it. Now they're living with it. And in it their mind, normal. this is a normal relationship. It's you know, a, yeah. he has to sit them down and say, "Look, this is not normal. This is not how normal people function." You know, this is a, this is a level of dysfunction that uh, that is abnormal, and you need to you know extricate yourself from it, and you know obviously try to provide help and so forth. Now, just on the stats, there, those are some startling stats on the numbers of people that are involved in domestic violence situations. Um, well, the area where we live in the Hunter is, is one of the worst in the country for domestic violence. Eighty um, percent of the police time in the Hunter is is spent just um, dealing with domestic violence. That, that's a lot of time, police time, just taking um, attending these situations. And, that's and you think of all the children involved in that and what's what's going on there. It's something that um, we need to uh, stand up, and say, collectively, say, no, sorry, this is not okay for our society. Okay, so starting with um, 
our listener this morning who is, you know, on those stats right there, we know there are people listening to us right now. There's somebody listening to us right now who is in a domestic violence uh, environment. What are you going to say to that person? I'm going to say, no, this is not okay. Um, if you feel that you're unsafe, then then right now call the domestic violence hotline or lifeline or the police or similar or, and, and, yeah, begin to look at ways to get out of there. Um, there are people that can help. We have um, domestic violence shelters locally that can help as well um, to make sure that you're okay and that your kids are okay. Um, and so that's something that we can we can look at. Realise real domestic violence can go both ways at times. It's not just um, a, a female problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it can go both ways. But generally, when it comes to um, physical harm, it's generally an intimate male partner perpetrating it on a, on a female partner. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, realise it's not okay. I want the best for my kids and, and take some steps to, to remove yourself from the situation. Yeah, and of course you're always free to call us here on 1-800-324-843 but I think what Darren has just shared with us is very important. It's never acceptable. Domestic violence is never acceptable in any way, shape or form and if that is a part of your relationship it doesn't matter what that relationship is, doesn't matter how long term it has been, um, you need to to remove yourself from that situation and the great thing about living in Australia is we have solutions we're there to help um, we don't want anyone to feel trapped so um, yeah give us a call at the station we're happy to refer yeah. you be to um, to the right people um, but we want what's best for you and and for your children and and life yeah, life is not about being beaten up, whatever that, whichever way that occurs. Life is better than that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, now, Darren, you were talking, you made a comment, um, and I'm wondering whether you you could comment on this um, just briefly uh, about an article. I think it was in, um, yeah, but it was an article about the perfect couple. Oh, yes. What was, what was that all about? That could be a whole new discussion right there. Um, the idea of this perfect Christian couple that appeared perfect in church, that looked looked like, that, like he was a head deacon and, and she was involved in church, everything looked okay, rosy on the outside. But in reality, when she told a story, it was a, a life of, of violence and abuse that was occurring in the very home. Okay, so the lesson coming out from this is that we might be living next door to somebody who is suffering from domestic violence and not even know it and have no idea yeah yeah okay so if we are in that kind of situation let's say we're part of a community that we're a part of um, I think you're part of a, uh, a community breeding uh, chickens and hens and so forth or something rather. is that right there yes yes interesting yes yeah. the Central Coast Poultry Club the Central Coast Poultry Club but let's say you're part of a, uh, a community like that and uh, you've, you, you know some people that look like the, uh, the, the the perfect couple what would be some of the signs that might um, trigger us to go, hey, wait a minute, I'm just going to ask this person, you know, are you okay? Yeah. Um, and, that's the, and that's a really important question. We need to ask people that we so often don't. Are you okay? Yeah. If, if I see someone that's um, got obviously bruising and they can't get a reason for it, it's like, um, well, I fell over again. Then after a number of times, say, hey, may something more going on here. That's a sign to me, um, some sort of physical um, appearance. Also, if the person, um, especially the, one of the partners or generally it's a woman, it looks shy and withdrawn or, um, or down at times, especially when no one else is watching, 
watching, you often see, hey, um, there's a sign there, something's not right. And, yeah, that, that's saying, are you okay? Something you need to ask. But I guess also watch, because remember, often it's hidden. Um, it won't be admitted. But just, just be aware of the signs and um, getting alongside that person and, and, yeah, letting them know that, hey, it's okay to talk and... Yeah, just being a friend, I guess, is a way that you can pick up on these things and, and help guide them through it. It's very hard for someone often to break out that or admit that, that they're suffering this because um, we all get married with the idea that we're going to have the perfect marriage. Yes, and, um, we, and, and, and as you say, we, we never want to fail. We never want to fail, that's right. Um, but sometimes help is needed, not saying that this is the end of the marriage. Sometimes intervention at an early stage can can help and get the marriage back on track and, um, yeah, deal with whatever the issue is that's causing the partner to lash out in whatever way. So um, I'd say seek help sooner rather than before it gets too hard and too late. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that particularly within our Christian communities or our religious communities, this is even more of an issue because it's less acceptable that's for right. a marriage to fail, wouldn't you say? Well, Christians, we're meant to be perfect, meant to have it all together. Um, Christians don't... don't <laughs> we, we, we know lots of Christians have it all together and are perfect, right? <laughs> I haven't found one yet. Starting um, starting with uh, Darren, right? No, yeah, no, I've got my own issues. Um, I, I have my, um, my marriageal disputes, but I find yeah. ways to deal with them that are more healthy. Yes. Um, it's okay to have an argument, but I've, I've learned how to argue. There's error, yeah. And this is where um, often it's good to make sure you do pre-marriage counselling as well Um, and the Adventist church pastors, if you go to any Adventist church pastor I can offer you that, they have the skills to do that we we want our marriage to be successful and so seeking good counselling early in life in pre-marriage sets in place some great ways to relate. That yeah, and, and I think you know, I think you raise a good point because you know, expecting two people to live together for their their entire life and never have an argument is not a real That's expectation. Not a it's not a real expectation in a in a uh, in a world of sin. Yes, but but knowing how to argue exactly effectively. Um, and here's, here's those... a quick tip I can give you today: a hot tip for um, listeners. When you're going to argue, have a talking stick, not something you beat them with, <laughs> but it's it's. It a pen or something that you hold and when you hold that you have the right to speak and then when you finish speaking you hand that stick over to your partner and they have the right to then speak so that you hear each other you reflect back and and solve the issue by reflecting and listening and trying to get in the other partner's head as to where they're coming from helps you understand what's going on more in, in, in that situation often it can defuse the conflict very early on in the conflict in our house, in, in our house we have the tongs if you're holding the tongs if you're holding the tongs go get the tongs out of the cupboard <laughs> we need to discuss this get this get the tongs yep. if you're holding the tongs then uh, you're the one who gets to speak that's a great tip there Darren and maybe we should come back and talk more about how to have a good argument maybe because it's an important part of having a good relationship is being able to have a good argument um, about issues because you are going to disagree without resorting to you know what we've been talking about here with domestic violence and all of the yeah. horrific uh, things that come as a result of that. So once again, I'd like to say, listeners, if you're experiencing domestic violence, reach out, um, make that phone call. Um, if need be, call us, and, and we will help you to put in place the steps that you need to make sure that you're safe and, and your kids are safe. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Darren. Thank you for joining us here on Faith FM. We're going to move on with this song after that, the 8 o'clock news, followed by Encounter with God.
comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.